Welcome to the world of Songbird Cafe. Well, as close as we can get to Songbird Cafe on Conversations with Calcaterra. Why is that, you wonder? Well, Songbird is just, it's, it takes you into a different world. It's another world with, with songwriting. It's very meditative. Uh, it's just, it's such a good vibe. So my friend Steve St. Cyr is stopping by. The song we open this up with is a song by an artist named Morgan Nussbaum who is uh, in a band called Bruiser Queen. And it's just Steve uh, St. Cyr had sent me a, a, a disc of songs. We've been talking about, we've been talking about, talking about Songbird for a while. So he sent me some of his favorites, and that's one that stood out to me that I thought would be just a fun opening, an energetic opening for today's show. Welcome, everyone. I've been away for a little while taking care of some some family uh, emergencies or a family situation, but uh, so that slowed me down in podcasting. And hopefully things are, you know, kind of come back, uh, you know, we'll get shows back out on a regular basis. But, uh, you know, happy to, to come back and sit down with Steve, who's just so passionate about music, as am I, and he shares some wonderful tunes. And, and, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, music is is a common, common uh, interest, as well as I have so many musician friends. Uh, but when we talk about music and, and art, you know, I immediately go, I think about some of the projects that my friend John Webster has has created. He's a pen and ink artist. I've talked about him many times before. And uh, he's uh, he's drawn, he's rendered a, a Carlos Santana. He has an amazing, amazing, amazing Elvis pen and ink portrait that he is he's created. Just, just an incredible guy. JohnWebsterPenandInc.com. You can check out some of his work. And just can't thank him enough for helping out with this show and and being a part of that. Also, when I talk about music, uh, you know, you hear me talk about Dr. Mark Holland at uh, First Capital Chiropractic, as well as uh, MyStLouisChiropractor.com. Links, of course, are always on the show page, as well as I'll give you the links of the artists that we talk about with, uh, you know, as Steve and I talk about and, and give you the names of the songs so you can play along with that on the show page. But Dr. Mark Holland is somebody that's always been interested in music. When we grew up, he was taking guitar lessons and, and things of that nature. And, and, you know, always enjoyed going to shows with him. And it's always a good time. But, yeah, Dr. Mark can take care of you, your chiropractic needs. Good guy, very personable. You'll feel very comfortable in his office. At least I do. So I think you will as well because he just he just has that positive vibe and he's always looking to help out to help out his patients. I'm hoping one day that uh, I'll go to a songbird and my friend Javier Mendoza, who uh, who right now has a project called Hobo Kane at uh, hobocane.com. I hope to see him at a, a songbird one day, just telling the stories behind some of the amazing songs, stories that I've had the privilege of, I've known Javier for a lot of years, I've heard, or, you know, I've seen him create these songs, uh, I've heard him talk about it, we've had conversations, it's just, you know, it's it's been a wild ride, and so would love to see Javier 
join some other great musicians that I know and, and see what they come up with. And one more mention, you've heard me talk about American Mallard. I'm going to tell you again, just right now, I want to, want to put that name into your consciousness. So American Mallard, American Mallard, American Mallard, American Mallard. That's where we're at right now with that, but, uh, hope to tell you more soon. So it's, uh, it's our little secret, uh, you know, you, me, listeners. So uh, go ahead and spread that secret. That's a good one. We're going to get a little more in the songbird with a story and a song from Brian Henneman, who has been a frequent contributor and collaborator with Steve St. Cyr. Uh, hopefully one day we'll sit here and talk with Brian on Conversations with Calcaterra. Until then, just follow me on Twitter. Check out what's going on on Instagram. Hope to get back into social media soon been a little been a little away from it but that's not a bad thing uh it's one thing steve says take a netflix break take a social media break check out songbird and he has coming up in a few days we were pulling this one out to the wire his sixth anniversary show so it won't be his last show but uh come on out and check one out and here he is brian henneman with one of his contributions to the songbird cafe steve wanted me to play the last song so i'm gonna play the last song I'm a new man after that trip to the bathroom. I'm sorry, Brian. It it totally changed everything. Like, I I feel fired up again. I mean, I'm not slighting what you were doing. It was like medical emergency at that point. Okay. And I got back in plenty of time to still hear the awesomeness. So, once again, everybody wins. I'm going to tune this up. I'm going to do another new song. Close out with a new one. One of the newer new ones. I got new new ones and old new ones. But anyway, this is a newer new one. Let me turn this thing off. All right, here we go. It's kind of self-explanatory, this one is. Another week, it's time to say hello. Well, is it over yet? Probably so. There's just no controlling this rolling with the flow. Oh, when it's always half past now, a while ago. Go so fast, won't slow down Monday every time that I turn around It goes so fast, won't slow down Monday every time that I turn around So Steve, that uh, Brian Henneman is, is kind of your De Niro. You've worked with him many times. I have indeed been fortunate to work with him many times because... As many people know, Brian Henneman is the front man for the Bottle Rockets, main guitarist, main songwriter. And if the Bottle Rockets are out touring, he can't play Songbird. But been fortunate to have him three or four times and going to have him again on October 25th. So, And October 25th, that is, uh, that's in a couple days. That is your anniversary show. It is the sixth anniversary, believe it or not. And boy, Tempest Fugit, time just keeps ticking along whether you wanted to or not right and how'd you get how'd you go about starting songbird what uh, what compelled you to do so you know i was about to change my work situation and get get a lot more time in my life and i wondered what to do to fill the time and i i've always loved music and live music and 
My wife Susie and I had developed an affinity for the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville and had been known to run down there on short notice and catch a show. Come back the next day and I thought, well, maybe I can do something like song or Bluebird in St. Louis and uh, hopefully there's enough local talent to do it. And lo and behold. Six years, I, I think you found a few. Found a few and there, and there is a wealth of really good talent in this town. Nashville is, of course, overflowing with it, but St. Louis uh, should not be ashamed of its talent level, and it's it's really here. Well, Brian, when I said the, the whole De Niro bit, is first show. He played the first ever songbird. He played the inaugural show. He and uh, Kip Louie, who he plays in a cover band with here in town named Diesel Island, have b- both played that first show, and they'll both be back for the sixth anniversary show. So... Uh, History repeats itself. There you go. So six, uh, six down, many more to go. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, good. No, it's 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 always a fun time th- to hear the stories behind the songs, and that's what that opening clip. You know, Brian sets it up. There's a lot of humor there. There's a lot of great interaction with the artist. How, how do you describe the energy of a songbird? Well, you know, there's an energy that develops. And it flows from the artist to the audience and back. And it, it's kind of thrilling. And if the artists are having a good time and, and getting along and maybe accompanying each other, uh, that that energy just builds and everybody's smiling and having a good time. And, and that's that's what we're looking for. Yeah, it's very synergistic. It's, uh, it's a great, wonderful collaboration. Truly, truly. It, it's, it's really hard to describe Songbird in words. You know, you can listen to it even in the recordings and they're, they can be very pleasant, but it doesn't equate with being in the room and hearing the artist tell the story and then play the song just a few feet from you. And uh, I've, I've always enjoyed live music and not that I dislike recorded music, but... Um, well, there's a certain energy that when they're feeding off the artist and... Uh, you know, they may be riffing a little, changing things up. They uh, Somebody starts noodling uh, while somebody else is playing their song. It's just, yeah, there's just that spontaneity that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. Oh, when that happens, you know, everybody's having a darn good time. And we get that fairly, fairly often. You know, these are musicians who know what they're doing. They have performing experience behind them. So when they're sitting in the songbird circle... They understand music. They understand understand song structure, and they see what the other person's playing when it's not even their turn, and they know what notes to play alongside of it. And it, it and the, and you'll see kind of nodding back and forth, almost where someone is asking permission non-verbally to play on the guy's song, and you know it'll be given non-verbally, mm-hmm. and then boom, there you have it. Steve, we're going to hear another song and then you can talk about, give us, you know, tell us about the artist and, and what the song means to you after we listen to it. You bet. And a little disclaimer that uh, a songwriter doesn't always write the song for himself. So if there's any line in this song that you feel maybe doesn't jibe with your uh, inner constitution, I wrote it for the other guy. It was the other guy. <laughs> it's called Far Away. Where have all the good girls gone? Was there ever one? They will win you with their eyes 
then trap you in their thighs. Stay away from love. Stay away, boy. Far away, far away, far away. Far away, far away, far away. As the lights of home draw near, as a black cat at my door, and he spoke to me in a manner low and mean. She ain't here, she ain't here, she ain't here. Oh no, far away, far away, far away. Far away, far away, far away. So a few risque lyrics there, but beautiful song. And that's an artist that a lot of people whose name they've probably heard tell us about that artist that was the one and only pokey lafarge playing songbird and that, that was a fun evening it was pokey and then that song some accompaniment by ryan spearman who's a fine fine local musician uh, along with kelly wells and tommy halloran were were the round that night and uh I learned something when i was trying to get pokey on that show and because uh, i'd sent an email to his manager and got nothing and talked to somebody and they said why don't you put offer in the subject line and sure enough that's what it took to get somebody to open the email and and respond that's a great tip for uh would-be promoters out there and uh yeah it's something i wouldn't have thought about i mean i know how important a subject line is but uh yeah and those just want to see that offer they don't yeah. want to talk about it until you have something to put on the table yeah yeah, you know these these people who who are out serious in the music business and and doing lots of tours and things. They don't have time for just chit chat email. Yeah, they they want business, and uh, so that's that's what I learned. I've used that with other artists since. A couple of big Nashville names, and I haven't been successful, but I haven't stopped trying either. Well, you have to be persistent. You know, eventually they'll realize this songbird guy is not going away, so we're gonna have to go play a show and then you come to the terms and, and there they are. Who are, who are some of the other Nashville artists are, are some of the prominent Nashville artists that you've had that, that have went over really well at Songbird? I've had uh, Marshall Chapman and Tommy Womack come up as uh, more or less a duo, although they did the traditional song swap. We didn't put them in the round because two doesn't, it's not conducive to round. Uh, we put them on the stage and, and let them, let them do it from there. And uh, yeah, Marshall's got a got a good name in Nashville, known in more than just Nashville. And Tommy Womack, a classic uh, Nashville songwriter, works a lot with uh, Tommy Wo- uh, excuse me with Will Kimbrough. And I've had Will Kimbrough as well, who has worked with, in fact, recently toured with Emmylou Harris. Uh, he's worked with Rodney Crowell. He's a producer on his own in Nashville. Um, he's a busy, busy guy. And that was a thrill for me to, to get Will. And I uh, had him play a show with Brian Henneman and Kip Louie. And that one was down at KDHX, the stage, and uh, had a lot of fun with that one as well. 
and that, and that's the thing we talked about the synergy in these in these shows and i think it's kind of like with cooking whatever ingredients you throw in different ingredients are going to give you a little different flavor and i think uh these various musicians that you put together each songbird is like uh like a different dish so you're never going to see the same thing it, um it is indeed and and i learned kind of early on uh i think a valuable lesson in that if I put people in the room that I just picked that are just, I like their songs, are good musicians, and they don't necessarily know each other in any way, that's not as conducive to, to the camaraderie that has become a good part of Songbird. So I try to pick people who know each other either because they're in a band together or they just know each other because they're in the same music scene. And if they're in the same band together, then they both need to be legitimate songwriters as well. So I've been using that formula pretty much since then, and, and that works, because then right away you've got some <clears throat> built-in camaraderie. Definitely. And, and I had a, you know, the first episode of this featured my friend Ben Wilson, and I think I've told you about he and his wife a few times, and they just have that rapport because even though they have separate projects, they're now, they now have a duo that they've put together. So I'll have to put a link to that on, uh, on the Facebook page or in the, in the show description. But they work so well together because they've created different music. He's produced a lot of her records, and and that's that kind of vibe where it's almost like they're thinking with the same brain almost. Yeah. <clears throat> it's been fun over the years. I've, I've actually had, <clears throat> you know, musicians suggest other musicians that they would like to pair up with. And I, and I frequently ask my musicians if I, if I have two people set, I'll say, well, who would you, you know, who would you put in the round with you? And they'll come up with some good names. I've had the brothers Lazaroff, who are playing lots of dates around St. Louis anymore and, and are fine, fine musicians, and they bring other fine musicians. So they're touring a lot, so they're not yeah. playing in town? Okay. Well, cool. they're in town as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, but a lot of dates in town and doing some out of town. But they've played two times at Songbird, and they've all, always kind of brought the other two musicians. And I've been just tickled pink with... With who they and, and that makes it easier to book. I mean, <laughs> much easier to book. They kind of do but half my booking for it. There me. you go. That's nice. Well, let's listen to another song, and then we can talk about how you how you found out about this musician and and what they bring to the table, and maybe who they brought to the table. I'm going as high as you need me to. And go down low to catch you. This man 
One thing that really signifies just just the power of that audience. So we we hear clapping in that song. We hear a good, uh, you know, you just just some good energy that they're giving the artist, and that's that's from the artist mics because uh, you're not miking the audience, correct? Correct. Oh yeah, that's so the room really explodes with just that that cheer, and yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, the, uh, having a good time is is prevalent at Songbird, and the music is just very innocently and basically presented and becomes the sole focus of the crowd and the, the crowd I think at some level feels like they're part of it and and there is that energy energy give and take that that goes on in any kind of performance that really really happens at Songbird that was uh Emily Wallace and a little bit of an interesting story in finding her she was recommended by kind of a group of musicians, but one in particular named Dave Werner, who is well-known around town. He's in a group called The Chimps with uh, Jesse Irwin and John Crane, and they suggested that I had to hear this gal about the second year I was doing Songbird, and she was playing in a little, I would say, a dive bar down on Cherokee Street, and uh, I rolled down there at 10 o'clock one weeknight, I think it was, went to bed late that night for sure and was just taken with this lady who can sing and write her own songs and i i just had to have her at song it's an incredible voice i mean if you had i not known that you found her on cherokee that um you know would be one of those nashville artists definitely i mean i think her her work holds up when i'm hearing it yeah that's immediately what i thought that that's someone you brought in from elsewhere no, I, this this gal's a real deal. I expect uh, big things from her and her. Her career is doing well. She plays with a sister of hers in a group called Sleepy Rubies, and she plays solo, and she has opened a number of shows at Off-Broadway and has played Lou Fest, and uh, she is the real deal. Very cool. And and when you look back, well, well first, let's, let's play while we've been talking a little bit about Nashville. Um, this next song, I believe, is the Hensingtons, correct? Jesus or a Bullet? Yes, the Henningsons. Yeah, the Henningsons. Yeah, see, it always throws me off with with Brian and with Brian Henneman and the Hensingtons. He talked about that at one Songbird because he's friends with with them and he's recorded with them down in Nashville. So kind of, uh, oh, yeah. I get the two mixed up a little bit, which seems like a, it's a common thing when they're together at least. But here we go. Let's listen to that song and then we'll talk a little bit about them and and what you experienced the first time you went to Bluebird. She's got a gun and a Bible with his name on it. Ladies are pearly gates Either way 
survived. So tell the audience about that family of, of wonderful artists. Oh, my. Aaron, Brian, the father, and Clara Henningsen. Um, wow. Great Nashville artists whose names you may not know, but they have written a number of big hits for the band Perry. Is their claim to fame besides their own fine song, songs and music, and they, they have played the Grand Ole Opry in their own right. So they're recognized uh, in Nashville. I got to know them through Brian Henneman because he got to know Brian Henningsen from Facebook because their names are so similar. <laughs> That's hilarious. Isn't that something? And then somehow struck up a Facebook friendship and it went past that to where they literally wrote a song together, Brian Henneman and Brian Henningsen. I love you have to focus on that because I butchered it at the intro <laughs> yeah you have to it's a tough one that's a, like a brain teaser mm -hmm. like some sort of it'd be a good brain game it, keep it strong you don't want to have to say it three times quickly yeah. that's for sure so yeah and that was a group where i, I was anxious to have them and and uh, wasn't sure that they were affordable for a for a little player like songbird but made a credible offer and they were looking for a date and and it worked out so uh we we all had a good time that night. Yeah, it was at that show. It was yeah, it was it was memorable. They were just great to talk to afterwards. And that's another cool thing with Songbird is I think you have a little more of an opportunity to chat with the artists in some other venues because they're not dealing with a lot of gear. They come in with their guitars and they walk out with their guitars. So so they're not. Uh, you provide the sound. You have everything set up, and they're not messing with it. So then they have a chance to talk to the audience about their wonderful work and answer questions. This, that, sign autographs. It's a nice vibe, definitely. You know, it, it is wonderful, and there is a lot of mixing. And we we didn't start off the first year uh, taking an intermission, but I learned it, it was probably a good thing, maybe for the artists' bladders more than anything. But uh, we do an intermission now, and the artists will generally stay in the room and circulate and talk and chat and they're always happy to go to the merch table and sign a cd and you know they 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 understand virtually all of them that without an audience they're out of business and so they're sensitive to that and, and most of them are just genuinely good people anyway and so yeah they uh, they will mix it up and they'll they'll tell you stories face to face they'll tell plenty in the round as part of Songbird, but they'll they'll tell you a story if they're standing off to the side too. Yeah, it's a good vibe, and and those stories was that I mean, you've always been a fan of music, uh, you know, since I've known you. What what was it, or, or when was it that you went to Bluebird? What about the Bluebird was something that just just grabbed you the first time you were there? I think the intimacy of it, um, just the true listening experience, which is of course what we bill Songbird as. Sitting in a, in the Bluebird is a small room. If you got a hundred people in there, that's a full that's that's a full boat at at the Bluebird. And um, they do it like we do at Songbird in the round. They surround the artists with the audience. Uh, generally, they, they occasionally will do what they call in the row. But and the storytelling just captured me from the beginning. And again, that listening part of it, where you could hear every word of the stories and the songs you could see the expression so very clearly on the artist's face now since it's in the round you don't get to look at everybody's face but the, some, yeah. the the intimacy 
makes up for that, I think, in a lot of ways. And yeah, the storytelling can just be hilarious. It can be sad. It can pull at your heartstrings. Uh, we've heard every kind of story probably imaginable at Songbird, and we're about to have, yes, we know it's about to be six years. It'll be 54 shows that we've put on. And uh, I'll mention another number while I'm doing that. There have been 137 different artists appear at Songbird over the years. Now, some have appeared multiple times, but it's been 137 individuals who've, who've brought their guitar or keyboard uh, or upright bass or what have you. That's great. It's uh, it's a wonderful hobby you have here, Steve. <laughs> it, it is indeed. It is indeed. Thank you. Yeah, tough to put on a show, but you do a great job with it, and it's it's always something worth checking out. So what's your website real quick so people can go to it? And then also I'll put it on the show description page so they can check out what shows you have coming up because it's your lineups. It's a monthly show. It's, it's just a monthly show, and uh, the website usually will show the next one or two, sometimes three that are coming up. And that is songbird-stl.com. Well, here's a little more. Here's another tune from Songbird, and I believe this is uh, called Shed a Little Light. I can either do a brand new one I've never played for anyone, including myself, or I could play something from the record. What do you want to hear? Brand Brand new. new. Ah, crap. All right. (laughs) I don't know if it's any good. You'll you'll let me know. Okay. There's a cold wind coming down, blowing round up ahead, swirling through the powder blue. Can't rise above it, can't go around it, gotta push through. There's a hard road, hard rain, hurricane on the ground, darker than the black of night. Here's hoping that the sunrise will shed a little light. Meet at the river if we're blown apart But don't wait too long for me Carry the past until it is a burden Take what is good and then leave the rest be There's a gray cloud, gray sky over high up ahead Looming in the evening air Can't dig a tunnel under the funnel Don't even dare there's a storm front sky king, large and menacing, hidden in the open sight. Here's hoping that the sunrise will shed a little light. I've been watching a lot of the Ken Burns Vietnam War documentary. I just finished a viewing of that and you know, through the whole series. And that song kind of gave me that 60s vibe. That kind of, it just gave me the feeling of kind of the some of the songs that they played throughout that documentary that really focused on the times. What, what's the story behind that song? Do you, do you recall? Well, I think we heard everything Kip Louie, who was the artist involved there, said about that song. 
And Kip is a longtime St. Louis musician and has played in several, several bands uh, and a fine, fine songwriter. And he'll, he has said in one of his stories that he probably has a thousand songs he's written. He hasn't recorded them all, but... And I love so many of his songs, and, and that was one, and he was honest about it, he was playing it for the first time in public. And it has since ended up on the Diesel Island CD that was just released a month or two ago, which is, which is a cover band that he plays in with Brian Hanneman and a few other fine musicians that are local here. And um, just fun to have, to have that kind of experience where you're hearing a song for the first time in public. And, I, and at this point, let me I want to take some time and thank the sound person who's been with me from the very first show, Dale Ashauer, on the bus audio, is just so good at making the sound just right. We do amplify just a little bit, but in that room of the focal point, it doesn't need much, and Dale has just the right touch and makes everybody sound good. I hear artists after the show or during intermission compliment him all the time because he has monitors in the circle of artists that they can hear themselves clearly and it's just spot on he really knows what he's doing and he's been a real asset to songbird and that yeah and it is that's is an amazing thing when when you have that clarity of sound and it's just it's just amazing that's just a, a wonderful room it's just just the acoustics are incredible and it yeah it just it has a nice warm environment to hear these songs yeah, Focal Point is home for Songbird. We've done shows at two other locations, and they've been fine, but Focal Point is, is clear, clearly home. And just talking about just seeing how some of the songs, and we, and we look at these stories and how they reflect the times, and that's one thing that really stood out to me in that documentary, and this the, the power of song. And, and I had heard a lot of the songs from, so I was um, born you know, right at the end of, of the Vietnam War, and so growing up, I'd heard a lot of those songs, but not in that context, the context, what was going on with the country, uh, just our culture and, and how they were written, written that that influence of that. So it was kind of interesting me, this the, the whole story of how the songs tied into it while watching the documentary and just seeing just how everything, just everything tied itself together. So it was like, I'll see those songs. I'll definitely, when I hear those songs, it'll be from a, a different point of view in the future. Yeah, a lot of songs have context. And, and of course, again, at Songbird, the artist will tell you a story and then sing you the song. Typically, the story will be about the song, and, and you'll get that context, whether it was something deeply personal or something that was going on in the news or... In Kip's uh, case, I would say a lot of his come just from the heart, and um, he's not going to get political on you that I'm aware of, and he's just going to give you some honest uh, emotion and, and maybe something to chew on a little bit, something to think about. Yeah, that's fantastic. So this next song, we'll, we'll get back to some of those stories, but first we're going to take a little trip with uh, a little, little mashup of a couple songs that you had there. <laughs> Don't make me pregnant I just want to dance Let's stop and think it over Before we take that chance If you make me pregnant 
I won't take it very well I'll go home to my mama And you can go to hell Listen to the crickets, listen to the crickets. I want to kill them all. Chibi, 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 all night long. Bears are in the forest and they're waiting for the kill. Try to cook a trout when you can't seem to light the grill. Hi, I'm Charlie Sexton, here's my little brother Will. Buffy, Jody, Sissy, Mr. French, and Uncle Bill. Camping on acid. 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 You gotta really imagine it rocking up on acid. Camping on acid. So that one was kind of interesting, a little Camping comic relief. But he had talked about at the beginning of that song that uh, that that harmonica part was a guitar solo, so an electric guitar solo. Yeah, he. I was thinking to, to mention that too. He had said something along the lines that the harmonica was the guitar solo and it, and he had played that in a, a very hard rock band so it was a really shredding guitar solo which you can probably imagine would go along well with camping on acid and that was the inimitable Tommy Womack what a talented talented and very often funny guy I had seen him first at a house concert playing with Will Kimbrough. They they play in a duo called Daddy, and they can do their own thing as well. They don't have to play as Daddy. Um, and that's the other thing that kind of informs Songbird is house concerts, where artists will come and play in someone's home, and they'll clear out an area in the house and hopefully put 50, 60, 70 people in there and... You might see a solo artist. I've seen John McCune of the Past History play and, and many others. Uh, and you might get a band. And you might get a duo. and But it was that is also such an intimate experience where you are right there with those people. They have nowhere to run or hide. Their backs are probably to a wall in a corner of a room. And that and the Bluebird Cafe just gave me the urge to put on something like that where people can hear what's going on. I use the, let's call it a marketing line frequently when I post on Facebook about Songbird about no barroom noise. And it really, it really is true. Because if someone's making noise at Songbird, it's not a musician. Someone's chatting or someone's getting loud. I, I have to tap them on the shoulder. You don't have a, you don't bounce them out? 
I have you, have I, you had to bounce anybody up? I've had to, I had to, well, one guy kind of self-bounced because <laughs> he knew he couldn't be quiet. <laughs> and the, the, I've only asked, asked two people to be quiet in the six years, and the other one was a relative, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> right, right. Well, the, the, and the person shall remain nameless. Uh, well, in between songs, you know, there's a good time to talk, and uh, sometimes with those gestures, you can, yeah, you can do some things there. So it's like using our or nonverbal gestures, so it's a good exercise in that, and, and one in meditation, as we mentioned earlier, and house shows are, are super cool, and I, I first learned about those probably about maybe 10 years ago through, um, somebody was mentioning, there's an artist named Brian Vanderark, who was in a band called The Verve Pipe, and so he, uh, you know, a lot of his songs are the rock songs, but when he performs him, performs him acoustically or in that setting, it's just a whole, whole nother vibe. It's stripped down. I mean, there's the rawness that you had talked about, and it's just a whole nother song almost. Oh, it, it is, and, and I, I've seen just just some amazing artists. I've seen Chris Hillman solo at a house concert. He of the Birds and the Flying Burrito Brothers, and oh, who are some of the others? Just names are spooling through my head. I need to capture one of them, but uh, I've seen seen some fine, fine artists. What's uh, more common these days? I mean, a lot of artists, uh, any artist and established artists like Brian uh, are, are doing that because he, in his beautiful name that he had, had done, uh, lawn chairs and living rooms. So <laughs> sometimes outdoors, sometimes indoors, depending on what's going on. And, and recently, for uh, before my father passed, we had um, we we're having a family celebration and, and my buddy Ben Sturgill popped into town for some business he had to take care of. And then it was like, he said, you know, I really want to play for your family. So we set up a, a keyboard and a, a friend of mine, I believe, did a friend, I think maybe somebody brought a Bose speaker or something along those lines or whatever it was, we heard him well. But he had, he played some songs on keyboard and then played some songs on, on guitar and acoustic and just mixed it up. So it was it was just like a, a different, you're getting world-class musicians. You know, he's, he lives in Nashville, does a, a lot of work there and has lived in LA. And, and I had this world-class musician uh, in the yard for the family. And he played like a couple hours. It was amazing. All original songs, a few covers. It's just wow. Yeah, it, it is wow. Uh, and again, I think the artists, they get that intimacy and they feel more like they're with you than playing on a stage and just looking into a sea of faces. They can see the pimple on your face, and you can see, you know, every expression they make. And and if they make a mistake, you, you get to see that up close and personal, too. We saw Bobby Bear Jr., who is just an interesting, interesting Nashville musician. His father was a big name in Nashville for a long, long time. We saw him at a house concert at Rick Woods, and Rick has been one of the forerunners of this concept for probably 15 years and it was a beautiful, beautiful night. It wasn't a huge crowd, and there was a full moon. And Rick said, you know what, let's just move this outside. And so they did. And they played outside in the backyard, and we all just kind of sat in this slightly sloping yard and thoroughly enjoyed the music. We can't do that at Songbird, because we're not going to go out on the Sutton Boulevard in Maplewood and set up. Hey, you don't get that great sound. You don't have those great acoustics that the Focal Point presents. That's that's a treat in itself. That is a fine room, a fine room with some some great vibrations in the walls. Still, they've had just incredible artists over the years. Dave Van Ronk has played that room, uh, and then the list goes on and on and on. They've got 
posters on the wall, kind of, and one that's kind of a collage of posters with big, big. Norman Blake has played there, and you know, it's a go-to place, and and many people around the country know about the Focal Point, and so I'm I'm glad to have been associated with them, and glad that that Songbird has found that as home. Something about just just that simple melody, just uh, that simple guitar, the, the you know that chord that just everything he plays it just really captures my attention and it's just beautiful. It's it's a nice hook, isn't it? That, that young man, Kyle Noctegal, and he came up out of Nashville, um, and his booking agent reached out to me, who I sub- subsequently found out was his mother. She didn't want me to know that in the beginning, but she, after he had played the show, she admitted that. It was Kyle's mother that did did his booking for him. He's originally from down near Springfield, Missouri, and uh, he's trying to make music his life, and with music like he played at Songbird, I think he could do it. You know, another thing I wanted to mention is you're you're not only getting the stories, but you're getting the songs that these people have written without any engineering, because when songs are produced and put on a CD or an album or however on an EP or done streaming, there can often be quite a bit of engineering done where you can fix certain things or you can add other instruments and auto tune. Yes. <laughs> you're you're just you're getting the real deal in the room at Songbird and these are good musicians. They they know what they're doing and I said this earlier, but they they all have had performing experience. If if you've just played a song at your grandmother's birthday party, that does not make you a songwriter. Um, writing good songs and getting out in public and playing them and, and uh, having some success with it, that that's what we're looking for at Songbird. So again, you get you get some pretty raw production, but good, honest songwriting and song playing are going to win the day. And then you get the open and honest storytelling, which... You know, it, it leaves the audience thirsting for more. The, some of the stories are just wonderful in themselves. Yeah, captivating. Yeah. It definitely always holds my attention. And sometimes, it's for me, I mean, for the most part, I, I mean, I love everything I hear. Sometimes hearing the first time, it doesn't quite connect. So, therefore, I think that's why even if I don't connect with the song or it's not a song that's uh, pleasing to my palate— Hearing those stories is time and time again is amazing. You know, what inspired them, where they were when they wrote it. So having that background just, just makes it, for me, the most memorable of experiences. 
And the stories again go everything everything from the mundane to 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 the heart wrenching. Uh, we've heard at least one young woman tell a story that was informed by her her brother's tragic death when they were both teenagers. And wow, it was a blunt, honest story, and it was a lovely, lovely song that followed it. So. And a lot of the audiences, you know, connect to those stories. Have had a either a sibling or a cousin or someone in their family or, or had read a, a book. So, yeah, it's very, very human. It's just amazing. We, we love stories. Yeah, there's a Buddhist story about um, someone came to the Buddha and said, can you, had had a death in the family, a close death, and, and said, can you remove this suffering from me? And the, and the Buddha said, I can, if you can bring me the mustard seed from a house from which they have never experienced that kind of suffering. And, of course, the person couldn't do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it's just, just so profound. You have to you have to live through it. Yeah. Well, speaking of suffering, and uh, this is not because a song will make you suffer, but it's called "Suffering Fools," and this kind of gives me that that Rolling Stone vibe. So suffer. It's just it's you know amazing. You you share that Buddha story, and we're going into suffering fools here. <laughs> no, it's it's um, one part Saint Paul as into the Corinthians. And it's one part Keith Richards as into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Criticize. Lord knows that's true, but won't you look in my eyes and tell me, baby, what's this mixed up girl supposed to do? Take away all feelings, I just need a reason. I need a reason to try, try, try. Lately, drive me crazy, and I'm not gonna lie. We can dance in limbo We can take a match and set fire to the fuse It's really very simple You and me, honey, we're just suffering, suffering Suffering fools love the fact that uh, just the percussion that they play on their guitars, you know, the different players join in. Uh, it, great round. That That's that's a wonderful example of just that energy that happens with four musicians sitting there and jamming and just getting into it. Yeah, and that, that was actually uh, band Fairchild. It was the four individuals, Connie Fairchild, David Toretta, Michelle Isom, and Mike Newman. But they played as band Fairchild, but they took turns and they told stories and we went around the room in songbird style and so there was a lot of accompaniment going on that evening and it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And the song introduced by the gravelly voice of David Toretta, who by the way was the, the fellow who recorded and engineered uh, Chuck Berry's last album uh, there on, in uh, David's basement on the hill in St. Louis. Holy cow! Yeah, I have not. I've not heard that album yet. Have you? Have you listened to it? I actually had a raw copy of it from David 
maybe a year and a half before it was ever put out. So yeah, I've heard it. Very good. Would you did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, there's some vintage Chuck in there, yeah. and you can also kind of hear a little bit of a star whose light is dimming a bit because it was done later in his career. Sure. But the man, you know, his reputation was so, so huge, and he wrote and it informed so much of rock and roll that it didn't matter. The songs were still good, so. It's that swan song. It's nice, uh, nice yeah. to have that little piece to go out with. It's like hearing the voice of a of a loved one the la you know before before they go you know they're not not feeling well but it's that last last memory there. Nice. So it's nice that they were able to uh, yeah to put that together. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's 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 pretty nice and and you know good for David for hanging in there because some of that recording was done uh, years ago and uh, they they finally got it out to the public. Yeah, I had read about that. They they worked on that for a number of years. Chuck was recording here and there and mm-hmm. very cool. He'd he'd record some and then run off to Europe and play a bunch of shows and yeah. then come back and record another song and and it, evidently he was a perfectionist, which I think, you know, a lot of musicians are. When they hit that stage, they want to make sure everybody is playing the exact right note at the exact right time because that's what the song is about. Yeah, James Brown, he was one of the quintessential uh, perfectionists, if you, you read stories about him and his band. And I think for the most part, his band appreciated it because they were playing with this high-level musician, and he wrote, he brought them up to higher levels. I mean, they rose to, you know, another, you know, I mean, they were like edging the stratosphere there. So something to be said about perfectionism, good and bad, you know, bittersweet at times. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in, in a music production, you know, I tell the story often, because I used to think, as a young man going to rock concerts, that, wow, that, that's just fun. They're up there having fun. I'd seen Jefferson Airplane. And yes, and, uh, you know, Neil Young multiple times, and band after band after band that I could name. And I thought, wow, that just seems like such fun. And I didn't realize until my son had a band in high school and they were rehearsing in my basement how much work goes into creating a coherent performance. It isn't just a one shot. You work on it, you work on it, you work on it, you hone it, you change it a little bit, you buff it up here and there. And only when you're sure, hopefully amongst your bandmates, that it's ready, do you take it out on the road. And um, yeah. Which is another cool thing, you know, a good segue there, or maybe a seg, uh, you know, we're, we're going back. But talking about uh, one of the early songs, the the uh, artist asks, "Should I play a new one or you know an old one?" And Hanneman even says, "Like, hey, there's like a new, new, an old, new, and this new," yeah, which he's amazing. That guy, just listening to him, I could listen to him all the time. Oh, he's me just too. so interesting. But looking at that, that's uh, Songbird's a chance for them to have a setting where it's like non-judgmental. It's an audience that has open ears where the musician can get some some good feedback on that song mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's an amazing thing so a lot of times all right i've never played this song out to anyone uh, but maybe my wife if even that or whatever their situation is yet this audience is getting to hear this this song for the first time yeah henneman tells a story about a song that he had just finished and it might have been one of the new bottle rockets that did a two or three of the bottle rocket songs were first performed in public at songbird as an acoustic number. And he, and he mentioned that, you know, the song had, had he'd written part of it and wasn't, perf- wasn't really 
hadn't really perfected it, wasn't really happy with it, and it sat for three or four years, and then he dredged it back out, and all of a sudden something coalesced, and it came to him, and he finished it off. And, uh, yeah, some artists will write and write and write, and um, not everyone needs to meet the public. That's another comment I want to make about what you see at Songbird, because we've had some some pretty amazing rock musicians play at Songbird. Jimmy Griffin being one who who is, you know, part of El Monstero and can can play rock and roll to its highest degree. And yet he can pick up an acoustic He shreds. Jimmy shreds. He can shred, but he can pick up yeah. an acoustic guitar. And in fact, probably most really rock songs were written originally on an acoustic guitar. Sitting around with maybe one person or a couple of people or maybe, you know, just sitting listening to other music and getting ideas and strumming a guitar in a basement or a back room. And uh, acoustic guitars, I think, are magical. I think that that vibration that gets used there just can just suck you in, suck the whole room in. Yeah, we don't, uh, you know, for this uh, podcast, we don't have an example of, of Jimmy playing. But one thing uh, what I loved about his his round was he was able, and a lot of the artists wanted him to join in, especially on the, uh, what is it called, the inspiration round? We call it the mentor round. The some mentor people, round, Some yeah. people kid me about that, but yeah, the, the men, yeah, people wanted Jimmy to play on their song, you bet. Yeah, so he added so much, uh, the energy that he brought to it, and sometimes it was him just... Uh, just improvising and making it up based on what they talked about that brief moment before they started playing. So that's another great thing that you get at Songbird. So I can't urge everyone enough to just go get out there and check out a show. You won't be disappointed. Uh, it's something different, even if it's not necessarily your cup of tea genre-wise. Uh, the energy is is just amazing. So it's worth absorbing that. And as I've taken to saying lately, take a Netflix break, you know? Get get up off the couch and come out and experience live music. Um, it's it's a treat. These artists work hard at this. Um, again, like I, when I was a young man, I thought, oh, it just all looks fun. And yes, it's fun when it when it's done. But there is real work and and real grit that goes in, into making this happen. Well, this next segment we're going to do something a little different. So we're we're going to present from one artist a story, but it's not the story that's going to go with the song. Uh, so this song is something that hasn't been released yet, still being worked on. It's very personal. So we'll give you the story, and you'll just have to come out to a songbird to, to hear a song like this. So it's good incentive to do that. So you'll get one story, you'll get another song, and then we'll talk about that a little bit. And the artist for this one is named? Stephanie Lambring. She's an, a Nashville songwriter who has had at least three songs of hers or co-written from her on the TV show Nashville. So she is uh, a real deal. No doubt. Here we go. Story and then the song. Um, I have a complicated relationship with music. Um, I wrote songs on Music Row as a staff songwriter for several years, and then I got burnt out um, doing that. So I I decided to take a step away before I totally hated it and um, started waiting tables, which my parents were really proud of. Um, (laughs) after I'd had a glamorous job on Music Row. Um, but I had to take a step away because integrity was more important to me than, than uh, success. 
Um, thank you. <laughs> Yay. And I believe that integrity and success can go hand in hand. I'm just, but I had to take a few steps back. So um, anyway, I, I wait tables at a really nice wine bar in, um, in a neighborhood in Nashville. And there's a songwriter named Tom Douglas, Tom Douglas who comes in. He wrote The House That Built Me by Miranda Lambert. Um, that was like song of the year several, several years ago. And he um, started, I, I, he was my, guest he I had his table one night I was serving him and um and he started asking me a little bit about myself and and found out I was a writer and he was like you know if if you ever want any kind of advice like you know you can email me and I was like well I could use some feedback I haven't written for a while and he was like you know what write a song he's like anybody can write a song every couple weeks so um he gave me his email address and um I decided I went home that night after work and I I I'd had like a couple lines of this idea and I decided to um in 2 weeks I finished it and I sent it to him it was the first song I'd written in over a year which was huge for me because it reminded me like my love for music Stephanie Lambring, <clears throat> she can she can tell a heartbreaker, and that that's one. Uh, I found out about her from another local musician who had played Songbird, and he said you got to come out and see these two gals coming up from Nashville, and they were going to play at Foam Coffee and Beer at the corner of Cherokee and Jefferson, which at that point early in Songbird I did not know about. I know about it now. So I went down, it was another evening show, it didn't start till probably 9 or 10, but it was very worth the effort once again. And the sad thing, and I've seen this happen in other venues, off-Broadway and other places, I'm in this room and with four talented, talented people, the two women come up from Nashville, Stephanie and, and Haley Witters, and there were like eight or nine people in the room, and they just... This was at foam. Yeah, at foam. Yeah. And and they just they played like the room was full, which is the way professionals do. And I came away from that knowing that I had to book Stephanie Lambring and Haley Witters and that subsequently have done it both together and, and with other combinations. So um and that's the fun thing too about Songbird. You may be able to go see some of these local musicians playing with no cover charge in a bar or restaurant here in town. But you won't get to see them 
matched up with other musicians like you're going to see them at Songbird. I I'll, I give you unique combinations of musicians that you're not going to see anywhere else. And so you get a different experience beyond the intimacy of, of the Songbird experience and it being acoustic and it being a room where people are being respectful of what's being said and, and played. Yep, Chef Steve making that omelet or that fine <laughs> cocktail. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good just having that different energy and the different combinations because you could see Brian one show with a group of people and then another, and it's even though you may hear some of the similar songs, or may, it's going to be a completely different vibe and just how he's riffing off those people and uh, just uh, what they might add. Or do you have do you have artists often where maybe they have some ideas of the songs you're going to play, and then based on what the other artists are playing, they switch it up to a- kind, of, kind of fit into that. A- absolutely, and, and and some you'll hear some of them say that, and they'll go, "Oh no, I can't play what I'm <laughs> going to play now," or or they'll say something like, "Oh, we're all we're all playing sad songs this round." Oh, okay, then I'll play this other one first. <laughs> yeah, so they'll mix it up to bring the audience up or segue into something else. Yeah, they're all very much in tune with what's going on in the circle and the vibe of what's going on, and and, and that helps. Well, this next story is is a good one. So it's an artist that uh, travels with, uh, you know, she's the only female in uh, in, in the all-male band. Uh, she fronts it. And uh, just her stories and how it motivated a particular song. I just, a wonderful story. This one's called The Mind of Men. And, and who's the artist? It's Elizabeth McQueen. And she was, for years in a band, uh, known pretty widely around the country in certain circles, Asleep at the Wheel. Which is a great band name. Yeah. Yeah, that's something you want to do. I've I've had that experience. Talk about that another time. I but, guess uh, they got that band name while on a road trip, perhaps. It's amazing how things get motivated. <laughs> but here is her song, Mind of Men, and the motivation behind that. Well, I think this is the last song. And so I've been debating whether I should play a slow and sad song or a faster and angry song. I think I'm going to do the angry song. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so this uh this is this is sent out with apologies to half the people in the room, but uh, uh, I'm in a band and I'm the only woman in a band and I go on the road and spend a lot of time in a traveling can on wheels, like a submarine on wheels, with ten other guys. I travel with my family now, but I used to just travel with ten other guys, and um, you and I'm a very not a very girly girl, and I'm not like it's usually it was usually fine until it wasn't. <laughs> but I was like a spy in the house of Guy, you know, like what happens when guys stop being polite and start being real? And it was for me it was like oh, everything my mom said about guys is true. <laughs> they really do only want one thing. <laughs> so I <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it was so I was in a hotel room after like three weeks on the road and this song came out and, and I, I put it aside for a really long time. I wouldn't show it to anyone. Um, I didn't finish it and we were, when we were in the studio making uh, the, the Laziest Girl in Town, I thought it was kind of a tw- mid-20th century jazz-oriented record. And I, my husband said, man, you should play that song, Mind of Men. And I was like, oh, kind of a man-hating song (laughs) and he goes that is the most honest song you've ever written (laughs) like because you really believe that stuff and so then 
so I did it and I finished it and I put it out and like when it, like you should have seen the faces on the guys in the studio and I was like okay so this is the next song we're gonna do and I played it for them and they were like okay um, but actually a lot of people have come up to me and said like yeah that's that song is really <laughs> like you got it uh, so so I guess that's a good lesson not to be too scared of telling you know what you believe to be the truth and I'm sorry Doc, guys this is this is what I believe so this is called the mind of men it's in a B flat minor should lie back and take it. I know. Sounds cruel. But no woman should play the fool. You've got to understand the mind of man. Deep down in the deep dark black of his soul lurks a hunger, hunger beast that he can bear. got to learn the art of down boy, down boy sit. Well, I know it sounds trite, but don't let that put you from putting up a fight. You've got to understand the mind of man. Stuart, would you like to take this? <laughs> Play it very sensitively. I won't bite. Actually, I might bite. So even though we're not in the room and, and we're not really getting that, that vibe that you can only get by sitting in on a songbird, 
I, I think these great recordings that you're sharing with us, Steve, and uh, and just talking about it, uh, you know, I hope that brings the audience one step closer. The next step being that they'll come out there, say hello, and say they heard about it on conversations with Calcaterra, and and just really soak in some of this wonderful music. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's a lot of fun, and and. I- let me before I forget to thank you, Ken, and Conversations with Calcaterra for doing this. I've known you for years, uh, close to fifteen, I think. It's getting there, yeah. We it's... met at we met at Bad Dog Pictures, and uh, we've interacted kind of off and on ever since. And it's always great. I've loved conversations with you, and that's that's one of the things that, just as if like you bring these amazing artists to Songbird, that's what I want to do. These amazing people that are doing wonderful things that maybe not no one's heard about or maybe and there's sometimes I'll mention it and people will say oh songbird I've heard about that but I've never been it's like go go check it out Uh, you will not be disappointed and I think every musician has who has played songbird has enjoyed it because again they are listened to and some have even said that it just feels I'm kind of quoting it just feels so good to be listened to you know, you're not hearing beer bottles crashing into a trash can in the back of the room yeah. or people ordering their food or this and that. You're hearing just the artist. Maybe a wine glass gets kicked over every now and then. That's but. been known to happen. <laughs> a beer bottle might get knocked over on the floor. but uh, those and, are... and that's part of the charm because it is so quiet in that room that you can hear it. So it's it's one thing that in that bar you may you know hear a lot of that clanking, but that's one of those oops. And you can almost... It, the audience is so in tune that it's almost like the you can feel that oh I interrupted the song you know you feel the person that did that you can almost although they don't, they don't say anything you can kind of feel their embarrassment they, they hold <laughs> their breath for just a second after it happens yeah you know now this this next one coming up that we're going to finish with uh, Brian Henneman as he introduces it it's one of what's one of the mentor round or a cover round which is to be a song important in that artist's development and he had played, I think, Songbird four times before this, and he remembered every other cover song he had played at each other Songbird. And he talks about it in the story leading up to the song. So we can just go out with that. Let's go out with that. I mean, we started, uh, uh, you know, the, the first story that we heard was Brian. That was his voice after the intro song. And, um, you know, I have all the listings, everyone. You know, check the show page. I'll have a listing of all these artists and I'll try even to do some research and maybe put a website so you can go follow them. These are all amazing artists. I mean, it's unfortunate we don't have more time to play many of the others that Steve has talked about or is featured, but you can go to the Songbird website, you can go to shows, and then you can pick up there. So unfortunately, a small sampling, but we'll end it with Brian, who has been there with Steve all along this wonderful journey. Thanks for being here, Steve. Thank you, Kent. I thought you were going to make a grand announcement that this is set number two and everything is going to be awesome and blah, 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 blah. But since Steve has taken the night off on that, I'll just say that... uh... (laughs) We've we've been here before, but uh, you know what it is. This is the the round of, of, of yes. This is the round of yes. All right. This is this is the round where we do songs that that a uh, song by someone who influenced our songwriting over the years, and uh, I've done this. How many times have I done this songbird thing? I know the first time I cheated and did Scott Taylor, and then the second time I did Neil Young, 
and then I did Tom Petty, and then last time I did Leonard Skinnerd, and this time, one of the very most important ones, especially in the 80s when I was running as far as I could from hair metal and, and bands like Animotion and things like that, <clears throat> is when I turned to country music in a big, hard way. And one of my favorites, I, I would say my favorite country singer-songwriter is Merle Haggard, so... So that's who I'm picking tonight. Memories and drinks don't mix too well. Jukebox records don't play those wedding bells. bottom of a glass All I can see is a man who's fading fast Tonight I need that woman again What I wouldn't give for my baby to just walk Beside me, say it's all right. Take me home, make sweet love to me tonight. But here I am again, mixing misery and gin, sitting with all my friends and talking to myself. Looks like I'm having a good time, but any fool could tell that this honky-tonk heaven really makes you feel like hell. Oh, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for showing up. And you know, at, at Songbird, we honor songwriters, and this is the best way possible is to let them have at it and enjoy it and get, get intimate about their stories and their songs. And with that, thank you all so much. Good night. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs>